Hello, and welcome to I'll Bring the Bible with Mel and Monica. This is the, um, we're talking over Zoom, chit-chatting our phone call session that we talked about. We're going to do, try to do every month. So far we have- At least, at least. This may just be the norm for the season that we're in. (laughs) That is true. That is true. thank God for technology, right? That's right. So today I texted Monica and I was like, hey, we need to do our phone call recording. And she was like, should we talk about the- what the idol of busyness The idol of busyness <laughs> <laughs> and I was like uh yeah but actually I have a little I had a couple of thoughts after you said that I had a couple of thoughts mm-hmm. um because I'm very cognizant of this this is probably one of my things that like um I'm really sensitive to because I think we get very busy too busy especially Mm -hmm. Americans but I was thinking about this because I am in the process right now of reading uh, A Long Winter by Laura Ingalls Wilder I don't know why it was in my Kindle I read it to the girls and I was thinking about it the other day so I picked it up and reading about Ma and Pa on the prairie Mm -hmm. Ma and Pa were very busy I mean, (laughs) they always had something to do. They always had something going on. They were always doing chores. They never stopped, ever. I don't know that it's really about the doing that's the issue as much as the why. Exactly. That's kind of the point that I kind of came down to is that, yes, we are all busy, However, you know, there's certain reasons and factors of why you have to be busy. And I'm right. I I mean, I think that we can, um, we can make it almost when I was talking about the idol um, of busyness, you know, I was thinking of more how we, um, I think, especially moms, you know, we've been told that we can have it all. Mm-hmm. And we can do it all. And we feel the reliance of other people on us. And for me, I think I get stuck in the busyness of doing things that I really don't necessarily need to do, mm-hmm. but I'm doing it to please other people or to prove that I can, or just because I'm trying to do all the things at once rather than discern what I'm really supposed to be doing right now. Right. Exactly. Exactly. That's kind of the conclusion I came to is, is what I'm doing something that God wants me to do has called me to do, or is what I'm doing just something extra that's taking place of what God has called me to do. And I think I find myself a lot in that category Mm -hmm. because it can sound really good it can even be a ministry driven kind of thing um but am I doing you know I want to do lots of different things and because those things are all good things should I be doing them because they don't they're not bad in and of itself they can be really good things but is now the right time 
or you don't have to do everything at once. And then I end up feeling like I'm halfway doing a lot of things and that I'm just disappointing people. And again, like I, nobody said, hey, you're disappointing me. I've just decided that in my own head. So then that, that kind of factors into yeah. like, yeah, I've signed up to be this busy, even though I shouldn't be. And now I've like put myself in a position where I'm letting people down. Yep. Definitely have been there. And I mm-hmm. have felt that too, where, I don't know. I think sometimes we just think that we can do it, but we really can't. But the world has told us that we can. We can have it all. Yeah. But you, but to be honest. It all is exhausting. Yeah. I don't, I don't want it all. (laughs) No. No. It comes with a lot of responsibility. But then I think because of the issues I have with focus and stuff as it is, I feel like I could maybe be doing more if I knew how to do the things in a productive manner. Yeah. You know, I do think productivity does have something to do with it, but I also think having those boundaries and just saying, Nope, I can't do it. And then sometimes God Mm -hmm. surprises, surprises us and he just takes something off of our plate. (laughs) Yeah. Like, okay, if I'm, if I'm not going to say no, he's going to say no for me. Right. Like the time I got fired from my job <laughs> because I couldn't do it because I was too busy. And I knew I was too busy. I knew I was too busy and I couldn't handle three jobs. <laughs> I knew that was the case. That is, that is a little excessive. And yet I didn't want to, I didn't want to like, let it go. But then because I did such a poor job at keeping up with my scheduling and everything, it was an online job. He just, I got fired from it and I deserve that (laughs) because I wasn't holding up my end of the bargain. I was missing appointments and missing classes and things like that. And God just took it away from me. And you know what? It was the best thing that could have ever happened to me. So if I get fired. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I'm talking about like this one specific instance. Oh, okay. I was I'm trying to find some redemption in that. Right. I'm definitely not proud that I didn't do my best and that I didn't didn't do what I needed to do in order to do a good job in that job that I had for, it was the most steady job that I had besides being a missionary for three years. Um, but on the other hand, something was going to have to give and it just happened to be that. And I really needed to let go of this job anyway. I was just hanging on to it by a thread. Um, and so God took it from me. <laughs> And, you know, and we can laugh and stuff, but it just kind of goes to show you how merciful he is. I know it, it does, because I couldn't even imagine still ha- having that job hanging on to it. Mm-hmm. I just thought I needed it for something. But. Yeah, God is good. God is good. Mm-hmm. So and anything else God's been teaching you this week? 
Um, I think that's probably one of the biggest things is just trying to be mindful of my time. Yeah. You know, um, I kind of feel I, I've got a senior mm-hmm. um, and any parent of a senior will tell you that senior year is no joke. Mm-hmm. You know, there's so many deadlines and there's so many things that you have to remember to do um, and that, that you have to kind of encourage your kid along the way. And I had a senior three years ago. So you would think that I kind of have it down a little bit, but, mm-hmm. you know, my son decided to switch schools his senior year. So I'm walking into this new environment where everybody has been so gracious and so wonderful, but it's just a different setup. And I feel like I'm a little, I, I, I felt like I was on top of senior year the first time around. And maybe I wasn't, I just remember it that way <laughs> because I feel so kind of lost now. And so I think just, you know, and because my kids play soccer, you know, this is soccer season. So We've got soccer season. My husband changed his job a little. And so well, he's working crazy hours and I'm trying to figure out my role in ministry and what I should be doing mm-hmm. versus what, what other people maybe think or what I think other people think mm-hmm. I should be doing. I think that's the thing. I don't know that people put pressure on me. I think I put pressure on myself out of what I think people want me to do. Does that make sense? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But just trying to enjoy the moments of this senior year and all the other things that go along with it, um, rather than just feeling overwhelmed by it and all the other things. That's what the Lord's teaching me is to just try to be still and enjoy this time right because it's going to go it's a season that the lord has graciously given me and if i don't slow down and stop and pay attention i'm going to miss it and he's such a sweet kid he really is he is all right i tell you he just about um and since he doesn't listen to this i guess i can talk about him a little (laughs) bit you know so we had homecoming Uh on Saturday night and he I don't think he was really sure that he was going to go for a while you know because he's still kind of the new kid even though he's played soccer so the soccer team has really befriended him and it's been a very positive experience and so like Sunday or Monday he of this past week he was going to go I said, how about we go find you something to wear on Wednesday? So that was a sweet time that I had with just him. And he let me spend all kinds of money on him. You know, (laughs) that was very nice of him. I appreciated that. And, um, and so then I was like, what exactly are your plans? I just want a picture. I just want a picture. And, you know, in my head, I'm envisioning all of these really cute group pictures from homecoming um, (laughs) that I'm seeing on Facebook and on Instagram and even the pictures from my older son. And I was just like, I just want a picture. And he's like, I'm going with this new group. I don't even know everybody in the group. I can't really like call the shots. So I was like, okay, I just want a picture. 
So I was at a soccer tournament across town with the, with the little guy uh-huh. and he calls me and he's like, everybody wants to leave now. Okay. <laughs> okay. And so he ends up sending me some pictures, which clearly were not orchestrated by any girls at all. It was just a group of guys that had no plans. Um, and they were, he had a good time or whatever. And he did send me some pictures, but I was just like, uh, I was just like frustrated rather than just, you know, just appreciating what a, what a great time he was having. And he met, has met some new great friends and, um, I, I just needed to stop. He sent a picture. He did. His hair was he sent me. He's such a cutie. He, (laughs) yes, yes. He was, and it was okay. I had to let go of that control because I really wanted to, I wanted my, the kind of picture I wanted. (laughs) I was thinking today, I I don't have a senior, so I really, I mean, my heart goes out to you because I mean, one day I will, one day I'll have three seniors pop, 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 since that's literally Mm -hmm. how I had my kids pop, pop, pop. Um, (laughs) And I like to spread mine out every seven to 10 years. (laughs) I'll be going through the same thing you're going through. But today, you know, um, how we've been hearing, we've been talking a lot. And I I really want to be sensitive to this, because I know that there really are some people that are truly struggling, talking, we've been talking a lot about people destruct, deconstructing their faith. And um, my heart just goes out to uh, the people that are going through faith, faith, what I guess what we would call a faith crisis. And Mm -hmm. um, and I was thinking a lot about that today. Um, I'm in a class or reading through the Old Testament. And I don't really know what that has to do with this. But I think it just in thinking a lot about the Lord and who God is. And it talks a lot in the Bible about God is the person is the one who who gives us our faith. He, he right, exactly he gives us faith, right? And so faith is not something we need to muster up. It's a gift. Right. So then I thought about the fact where people, and and I've been through a faith crisis too. So I I do want to be sensitive to that. But I thought about, I thought about what we really are, what's really happening to us when we have a faith crisis, if God has given us our faith. And I thought, you know, what the crisis really is, what we're really trying to tear down is all the idols that we ourselves have put up there around our faith. Right. That's what needs to come down. Mm -hmm. Not a reconfiguration of our faith, but the things that that I have been taught that may not necessarily be correct. Like we touched on this a while back, like the things that were taught to me um, uh, about religion and politics and mixing religion and politics, that's an idol. Um, The people that we look to, the, the pastors and the preachers that we revere and hold up, and then what happens, they fail that's an idol that we place around our faith because we're looking to man instead of God. And we can go on and on and on about certain faith idols that we, 
that we build up around our faith that, that don't hold up. And that's why people's faith is shaky, not because mm -hmm. their faith is wrong. If God gave them faith, then it's perfect faith and perfect belief, right? It's actually right. what has been constructed around that faith that needs to come down. Right. And um, I believe it was uh, John Calvin mm -hmm. that called our hearts a factory of idol, a, fa a factor of, of idol makers. I, I could probably even like find the correct quote, but that's it. Sounds like a cool quote. Um, okay. Yeah. Um, the human heart is a factory of idols. Wow. And that was from Calvin's Institutes written in 1559. <laughs> Still true. Do you think that we, it, it hasn't changed. Um, and I think that the thing about, one of the things that I like that quote is it, it makes us really aware that that's because, you know, as redeemed, saved believers, we still live in these sin-cursed bodies that are surrounded by um, people and, and a world that is in rebellion against God. And so just being aware of our own ability to just throw up an idol, you know, you think about, you know, the Israelites when you know, God had had them, sh the, the Egyptians show them favor and give them their jewelry. And then when they were, you know, uh, in, in the wilderness and they had seen God deliver them, they had seen him part the Red Sea and they had seen all these amazing things. They still chose to take their jewels and melt them down. They're gifts from God to melt them down, to make an idol from it. And you think, what, what is it in my life that I'm doing the same thing? These gifts from God that I have, that I've, I've stored up and treasured in my heart, not as a good, gracious, merciful gift, but as an idol. Yes. Yes. And now I'm remembering why this struck a chord with me, because I read first and second Kings today, and that will just break your heart. <laughs> yeah. If you read that all in one sitting, it was a little overwhelming. But what the people kept doing was they kept placing their idols in mm -hmm. the temple of God. Mm -hmm. They kept placing their idols in his temple, and they built onto the temple, you know, a place where, where prostitutes were or you know, and, and they put their, their poles to their gods inside the temple. And then when a king would come down that was, that did right in the sight of God, they would, they didn't destroy the temple. They didn't destroy God's dwelling place. They took out all of the idols from God's dwelling place and replit and mm -hmm. um, began to worship the Lord there again, anew, and then more you know, a new king would come and they put the idols. But even the king, even the kings that were trying to, that declared to rid 
Israel of all the idols, they like didn't quite get rid of all of them. No, they didn't, did they? It kept saying like, no, but, but except for they did not tear down all the Asherah poles or whatever. Exactly. And so it was, it just was, it's just interesting how the temple of God was never defiled enough that they just destroyed the whole thing because they because all the idols were in there they just kept putting the idols back and taking them out and it was it just was interesting and that's kind of how I got to that point where you know God has instilled in us as Christians his faith and that can never be taken away from us right but we continually bend our hearts towards sin and build these kind of false kind of faith idols that we think, you know, mm-hmm. oh, this is working. <laughs> I don't know. Right. It's yeah. like we like to have, um, I've often said that, you know, what it is, is having one foot in your, in the kingdom, but also wanting one foot still in the earth. Right. Yeah. And one foot still like in, uh, because we want, we want God with our whole hearts, but the, the dark parts of our hearts or just the, the human flawed parts of our hearts, we also desire the things of the world and it's easy to justify it. And it's easy to, um, uh, not realize it, but I think that's where, you know, being mindful in prayer and a constant reading of the scriptures to Mm -hmm. remind us that we are no different than the Israelites all those years ago. We are no different than um, the disciples that were these flawed men and women. And we are are no different. Um, It's easy to look back and be like, that was dumb. Right. Like, like Peter, I can't, like, I can't believe that Peter denied Jesus three times, you know, how often do we in our thoughts and our actions do the same? That's true. I'll give an example of something that might be good, but that might be like a false type of faith idol. Like for example, um, building a platform so that you can talk about talk about Jesus, like what we're doing for with, I'll bring the Bible on Facebook and on Instagram. Mm -hmm. And, um, uh, that's a good thing. It's great. Mm -hmm. It's a great social media is a great means to spread the word of God. And then we do it and we work at it and we, and we work at it and we work at it until it becomes this kind of obsession and we get the likes and the shares and the, this and the, that, Mm -hmm. and, that starts slowly creeping. It's good. We're sharing God's word, but it starts creeping in and we can replace it with anybody. Like even in a, even somebody that we love an author, we love to read or a preacher. We love to listen to mm-hmm. We can idolize their words above God's word too. Right. Right. I, I remember, I think it was in Voskamp one time saying that um, 
not that it is wrong to build a platform, especially if you have a public ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, but if that platform is not made into an altar, right? Then we have missed the point of all of it. Right. And so I think really you can use that also in um, going back to busyness. Mm-hmm. It's not that being busy is bad. It's that when our, I've got too much to do, I'm too busy, I'm too busy, I'm too. When is that becoming an altar? When are we like bowing our knees and becoming in a posture of humility and recognizing these things that I've got all of these balls I have up in the air that mm-hmm. I'm trying to keep juggling and keep afloat? They're, they're not up to me. Right. My call is to be obedient. My call is to love my kids and point them to Christ and be the best mom that I can be. My purpose at work is to be a light in a dark place, to be a good worker, to be kind to my coworkers and to be um, an honest, faithful, hardworking employee that I can exhibit the character of Christ. When, uh, if, if I don't do those things, the work still stands. Right. <laughs> you know, I, and at home, I'm called to be a godly wife who honors her husband and is respectful and is a good helpmate and a good partner to him in life. Um, If I make him my idol, which is probably, I've said this before, um, and I know maybe a lot of wives don't want to admit that, but I, my, I have made my husband an idol to the point where I know that it's been hard for him because I really care. I mean, he can look at me cross-eyed and I just can melt. And he's very conscientious of that. Um, probably in the last half of our 25 years, Mm -hmm. but if I, you know, if he's upset with me or if I, or he's rarely upset with me, it's usually the other way around. And then I have to repent, but (laughs) he is so much more patient than I am, (laughs) but, but all of that, like it, all, everything is up to the Lord. I'm just called to be obedient and to be humble and to be grateful. Even when I pray, you know, Philippians tells us to pray with thanksgiving, you know, let your um, prayers, you know, to humbly go before the Lord and pray with thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, but I get so wound up with all of the things, all of the things that I have to get done. And it is a lot, but maybe I shouldn't act like the world depends on whether I get it done or not. Yeah, that's a good point. I like that because, you know, to be honest, we all have stuff that we can just kind of let go of a little bit more, you Mm -hmm. know, I mean, if you're already already involved in 
<laughs> You're already involved in one ministry at church. Do you really need to be involved in ministry number two? To be honest, like, <laughs> um, you know, that can, that's, I know that's a touchy subject, but um, that can be a place of, that's wrapped up in a lot of our, our busy times. Uh, and that's right. one of the most joyful times that I have is when I'm mm-hmm. ministering in church, but do I need that extra thing? You know, no, I mean, no, I, I think one of the things with us though, I think that it gets kind of hard is when you go to a large church, it's easy mm-hmm. to do your one thing. Yeah. That's it true. really is. It's, it's easy to do your one thing. And we are, our church is, is a church plant of, of sorts. You know, it's a, it's a fairly new campus. Um, so it's, it's very much like a church plant um, where you have a small congregation. And so it does, it is easy to get caught up in feeling like you have to do certain things, but then what I, I will, I will agree to do things. And then I can't really meet those expectations. And then I end up just feeling like I'm disappointing people. Yeah. And I'm not saying that particularly right now. I'm just saying that that's what I tend to do. Yeah. We need to get over that Mm -hmm. (laughs) because, you know, here's the thing. Somebody's always going to be disappointed. We're not perfect. (laughs) I don't want to disappoint people, which is an idol, right? I mean, it really is, is that, you know, if you want to, um, sometimes value, you know, valuing people's feelings is very important. Yeah. But valuing them over what really needs to happen. Um, whether it's, you know, maybe giving them the truth, you know, we, we don't want them to be upset with us. So we kind of skirt around the truth, which, you know, is not a godly that's never a godly calling. No, that's true. Yeah, some people just need to be told. Really, mm-hmm. truly. I mean, God has been convicting me about that too. Mm-hmm. A lot about like what, what what am I doing? What am I doing if I'm involved in a relationship that I know the other person does not know the Lord and yet I don't talk about the Lord? Mm-hmm. What, what kind of relationship is it? I mean, really, what, what does the Lord mean to me? If I'm not actively telling people about Jesus Christ and, and, um, and what, what kind of friend am I, if, if I'm seeing someone trapped in sin and I'm not trying to to point it out and, and rescue them from it, you know, and we'll talk a lot about that when, with Jude. <laughs> and I, you know, our society has told us that, um, that's not loving, you know, to basically, to be honest with people. Right. It's uncomfortable. And yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, you know, I mean, if we acknowledge that, the world is in rebellion against God and you're either a child of God or you're an enemy. So obviously like pointing to Christ to somebody that 
maybe very kind and loving and fun. But if they stand in rebellion against God, then, you know, Christ can be offensive to them. Yeah, that's true. And so trying to be, to speak truth and love, to find those right opportunities. And I think for me, um, it's just in those conversations and those that one-on-one time with people. Um, And I think people are wired differently. You know, there are some people that can have just a big presence and um, people can see Jesus on them and they're very bold in how they speak. And and, and I think that that's a personality, a God-given personality, but I think it's being able to develop relationships with people where you can have one-on-one time where you point them to the Lord. That's and very- that's really what we should be doing in, mm-hmm. that's really what we should be doing um, in all of our, whatever, in all of our endeavors. Yep. Yep. I agree. And that should be acts of worship. That should be our, our altar. It should be one of humility and gracious, you know, it's, it's um, the mercy, humility, and the justice. Yeah. And walking in that. That's in true. times of, in, in seasons where there's a lot going on. But I think it's constantly spending time with the Lord and recognizing what is, a, what is from the Lord and what isn't. Yep. yep. Wow. Well, we cover just about everything. And I just want to tell you, audience, that you're getting an authentic con- <laughs> authentic conversation because Monica and I talk about this stuff all the time. Right. <laughs> In our and there, there's no notes here. There's no making there sure are, that we like touch I on stuff. Monica has her earbuds in and I have a towel on my head. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's why it's audio. <laughs> that's right but it's, we we talk about all of these things a lot because these are the things that you know I guess kind of almost like kind of a workout your faith with fear and trembling type of thing. And it's nice to have a friend like that. So if you don't have your friend, you, you if you don't have you a friend like Mel or Monica, you need to get you one. <laughs> really? Cause we don't have to- we're really friendly. And even if somebody tells you that we don't have time for you, <laughs> don't listen. Don't listen. Right. Well, you know- I will tell you real, I will tell you real quick. So um, I did pull this off my shelf. I bought it maybe, I don't know, a year ago. And then uh-huh. I forgot that I bought it because I got busy and got distracted. But I mean, we've both talked about Tim Challies. Oh, we we both love him a lot. So he wrote this book called Do More Better. Ooh. A Practical Guide to Productivity. And it's a, you know, it's, it's my favorite kind of book. My favorite kind of book is under 150 pages. Yeah, because I feel very accomplished when I'm done with a book. So if it can be 150 pages or less, then I'm pretty confident that I can read it in a timely manner and that I can say, "Hey, look what book I finished." Can you buy and that? So anyway, to me, it's a. <laughs> can you buy that to me? And get it to me? Yes. <laughs> so anyway, I really just and it's it's about tools and stuff like this and it, you know and and this is going to be grounded in. Um, 
what God created us to do. I mean, one of the first questions he says, ultimately, why did God create you? And how can you glorify God in your day-to-day life? So it's a productive productivity catechism, if you will. Ooh, yeah. So um, I have committed to um, this going to be my extra read for the week. Ooh, I need Not a- that I have an extra read every week, but for this week, <laughs> it doesn't say reading a long winter. <laughs> right. So I just, but I feel like maybe, oh, it's maybe I'll just read the back 20 tips to increase your productivity. Ooh, maybe so, that needs to be your first book club book. We'll see. I don't know <laughs> if I'm willing to share it. Let's see. I just want to be, I just want to be more productive than everybody. <laughs> Do you think Tim Challies will come here on here and give us an interview? Oh, I, you know what? That would be great. I feel like, I feel like he has like a face that would. We could ask him. Like he would give us a shot. You know what I'm saying? I would like for him to give us a shot. And I really think that maybe if we keep, um, DMing um, Nancy Guthrie. <laughs> I don't think she's gonna. <laughs> I, you know, I just, um, I mean, I did go to one of her things and she says, hi, I'm Nancy. No, I, I, I say, I don't think she's gonna be, not because, not, not because, because she wouldn't, but gracious or wouldn't, but just because one, she's busy and two, she's, um, she's not as big as, that I big respect for her as big as her social media platforms could be they're not and I just don't think she's on social media a lot um no so she's she just has such a great ministry so maybe she will one day I'm not on social media a lot I forget that's true I am but um, I need to find a better balance I don't know. Well, friends, what I'm going to do is do more better because if not, we could go on and on. Do more better. A practical, lift it up so I can see it. Do more better. A practical guide to productivity by Tim Challies. He's awesome. This is one person I can definitely tell you, audience, you should follow on social media. Everything. And I mean everything. There is nothing mm-hmm. that he posts that's junk. Nothing. He, he posts such good stuff and his blogs are on point and always, um, uplifting or convicting, or just like talks about practical ministry things. So check him out. And Tim Challies, Uh if you're listening to us right now, please come and let us interview you. Come on our show. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you know, we'll zoom you because you know, you're in Canada and we don't expect you to come to Columbus, but. I, I would expect that you, Tim Challies, would invite us to come interview you in Canada, and I would totally go. Oh yeah, I totally would. <laughs> but I would, I would, I don't know that I want it to be in the winter. No, no, just in the summertime. Okay, well, everybody, thank you so much for joining us here on this, like, literally a drop in in our conversation um, here mm-hmm. on offering the Bible next month. We have. A lot of fun and special things planned for you. We're going to be talking from the book of Jude. And we're also going to be picking up our little commentary on the um, chosen episodes one and two. So if you want to, you can watch those episodes and uh, keep up with us and let us know what you think. We will see. I will let you know if I will let you know if indeed I do more better. Okay. Yeah. 
I don't know why I'm laughing. I just Tim Challies. Let's let's see if he knows what he's talking about. Let's. I'm see. gonna tag him on our Facebook post and see mm-hmm. what he says. He'll probably say nothing. Yeah, I, I just read a few bits of it, but it's gonna be it, it's gonna be exactly what I needed. All right, I'm looking forward to that. I'll see you next time. What are we? I'm tired. Bye. Bye. <laughs>